good evening. This lecture will be Bezrat Hashem Leilui Nishmat Sofia Sofia Batsara Leilui Nishmat Sara Bat Juli Deya Tonight is our your time To the success of Abraham Yechiel Ben Nechama Pearl And Tshuva Amitit And Mechila from Hashem לרפואת נמה בדבור הישחוק, הצלחה אוביואל בניסל אלה, מטלה בת דבורה, רפואה שלמה ואריה מרדכי בן מניה סימה. Jan Rivera for his soul and success for success to keep her child. Tov. Yesterday in Queens, about uh, one of the hardest days in modern days history for the Jewish people as the biggest enemies of the Jewish nation as the Torah says your destroyers will come from among you and I repeated it hundreds of times over the years Now, almost all the damages that came to the Jewish people in history came from among the Jews themselves, directly or indirectly. Indirectly means we behave in a certain way and the Goim came with their anger and killed us or sent us to exile. That's called indirectly. Directly means when we actually call our enemies to come and give them the tools to kill us. It goes directly. The Israeli Supreme Court, Shem Reshaim Irkav, 15 most wicked people on earth, that when the Gehenom, when the hell of Hashem one day will finish, just for them Hashem will keep it for another million years. For those 15 Reshaim, you read in the Tanakh about Paro, you read about Nebuchadnezzar, You read about Amman, you read about Antiochus. In more modern history, you learn about the Nazis. Now it's Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, Khomeini, all these people. None of them is wicked like these 15 judges. You should know the truth. I know it's very difficult to hear such things. But that's one million percent the truth. Not one hundred percent, one million percent the truth. You may ask, don't you think you're a little bit or too much exaggerated? After all, these people, Israelis, judges, university, academic, 
barely 40, 50 years, they are judges. You really think they're worse than the Nazis, than the, than the Hamas, than Antiochus, than Haman, and all these people? The answer is absolutely, without a doubt. Why? We don't go by our feelings. We go by what the Torah says. That's the difference between a kosher Jew to a non-kosher Jew. A kosher Jew say, I have my own will, my own understanding, my own desire. So as soon as I see that any one of my will, or my hopes, or my understandings collides with what's written in a divine books, immediately I shut off my feelings, my knowledge, my education, my will, my desires and my dreams. I shut it off immediately. Why? Hashem said otherwise. End of story. We saw a beautiful example about the vaccine in the last month or two. Who is a real servant of Hashem and who is a faker? Just the vaccine alone separated the, the, the people. For people that follow the, the orders of Hashem by listening to the chief rabbis, and people that no matter what will always listen to themselves before anybody else. So that's, that's a kosher Jew. The chief rabbi of the world say otherwise, forget what I say. The Torah say different than me, forget what I say. I told you I think it's allowed, you showed me in Shulchan Aruch it said it's not allowed, forget what I say. You must become like that. You, gotta, you have to eliminate your ego, you have to eliminate yourself, who I am, I'm the master of universe, shut it off. And always think, I am nothing. Yesterday I gave a perfect, beautiful analogy for that parable from the greatest Chazonish. Amazing, amazing how these brilliant rabbis not only that they knew the entire Torah left and right, up and down, they also looked at every little detail around them and learned from that mamash Torah. They learned Torah from a lamppost on the street. Of Galinsky came to Chazonish. He said to him, oh, Yaakov, they just put next to my home a lamppost on the street. Conversation of two genius chachamim, holy people. When one says something, the other one already understands the depth of it, not like us. Oh, beautiful, so now you're gonna have more light. That's what you wanna tell me, Rabbi? That now you're gonna be able to see the sidewalk if it's clean or dirty? That's what the Rabbi wants to say? That's ordinary fools like us. We maybe care about the light, or how beautiful it is for the view. Or maybe they made me noise when they installed it, maybe I couldn't sleep at night. Maybe that's the conversation about. Rav Yaakov Galinsky right away understood if the Chazonish tell me that, that means he's going to give me now a speech. Something in the Torah. Yes, Rabbi, I'm all, I'm all here. Kuli Ozen. I'm waiting to hear. Why are you talking about the lamppost here? So he said to him, when I walk away from this light, from the lamppost, I see my shadow on the, on the sidewalk become bigger by the second. Every step I make 
further away from the light, light is the Torah, right? Or a Torah. Israel is light to the nation, why? Right? Because they have the Torah. So the further away I go from the light, my shadow, meaning me, me, I'm the Chazonish, five, uh, five, two, five, three, it was very short. I already became seven, eight, nine feet. The more I go, wow, look at me, I'm 20 feet lo long. I became somebody very big, a giant. I'm the biggest in the world. The more I go away from Hashem and His Torah, meaning I become a big shadakter, a judge in the Supreme Court, the chief of the Israeli army, the prime minister of Israel, the minister of health, I'm uh, the minister of transportation, president of United, it doesn't matter. Somebody, definitely not a scholar of Torah. The further away I go from the holiness and the truth of Hashem, the more I feel I run the world. Look at me how I get bigger by the minute. The closer I get to the light, I become small again. Why? The more you learn Torah, the more you understand that you are nothing. Zero. You're nothing. <laughs> you know? Whatever you know, it's not 1% of what the Rambam knew. And whatever he knew, is not 1% of what Rabbi Akiva knew. And whatever Rabbi Akiva knew, is not 1% of 1% of 1% until next year of what Hashem knows. So, who, who do you think you are? The closer I get to the light, to the Torah, the smaller I become, I realize that I'm nothing. Until I really stick to it. When I'm right under the light, I don't even exist. There's no shadow, nothing. Look around, where did I go? You understand? Now imagine when someone with a brain like this, Everything you see around, immediately he knows what Hashem is sending me a message here. Why this is this, why this is that, everything. In the way they look at the life, it's completely different. There are two ways to look at the world. A way of an ordinary Amaharetz, ignorant, ignoranimous, or a way of a scholar, or Talmit Chacham. So... Those, when I say those 15 judges are the most wicked in history, let me explain to you what the Torah says. I explain that there are two kinds of Jews, kosher and non-kosher. I'm talking among those who keep mitzvot. Those who don't keep mitzvot, there's no avamina that they're kosher. Nobody would dare to say they're kosher. They're not even Shomer Shabbat. Leave them alone. It's not, we're not discussing them now. We're talking among those who keep mitzvot. Some are kosher and some are not. What makes you kosher? You know to accept orders from someone above you with no problem, no ego, no resistance, and you're willing in a second to eliminate your brilliance and your will and your desire and your plan or whatever it is. Best example came now to my mind out of nowhere. A few years ago, I was invited to Shabbaton in Panama. There is a well-established community there in Panama. The rabbi over there, Rabbi Kassin, organized the Shabbaton with few young boys that listened to me online. They invited me over there. 
I arrived there, if I remember, it was Thursday, Thursday night maybe, if I remember correctly. And, I, and, I, and I, when I got there, I said, where is the rabbi? I didn't get to, say, to, to meet the rabbi in person yet. They told me, oh, yesterday or the day before, the rabbi went to Israel on a visit. He is a rabbi of a community of hundreds of people. A leader of a community, hundreds of boys and girls there in the youth minyan. He went inside to Rav Chaim Kanievsky, biggest chacham on earth. And Rav Chaim Kanievsky told him, what are you doing over there? Come back to Israel. He said to Rabbi, I'm a leader of a community. I have give shiurim, I teach Torah there. He said to him, Afal Piken. Even so, you should come back to Israel. Bring your family and move to Israel. And he said to him, okay, so I have to go back and get everything organized. And uh, I get everything organized and I'll make aliyah. <coughs> he said, no, don't go back there. Stay now and tell your wife and the children to come. And I have a Shabbaton with him there. He's in Israel and I'm supposed to come back to Panama. So they told me, unbelievable story. The Chacham told him, don't go back to Panama. He did not make a beep. Yes, Rabbi. Move to Israel. That's it. I'm very much, very much now curious, because I don't know, I didn't follow up on him. Very much curious to see where he is in Israel today. I wonder. If anyone knows him, please send me an email. RabbiMizrachiGmail.com Nobody ever lost in a history from listening to Hashem. Listening to the big Chachamim is directly advice of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of Hashem. Because it's written in Parashat Shoftim, everything they tell you must listen to them. His family got up, packed their stuff, and moved to Israel. Communists stay without a rabbi. They brought another rabbi later on. Rabbis have replacement, most of them. Some of them don't. You cannot find replacement to Rabbi Zion Abba Shaul, you will never find. Or to Rabbi Victor Miller, you'll never find. It's impossible. Yeah, once in a generation, you have someone that, was, that had everything. Not only was brilliant, not only knew the whole Torah, was perfect midor, suffering, never died for the truth, never compromised on it. Because remember, to be a Talmud Chacham, it's really up to you. You know, sit and learn non-stop for many, many years. You become a Chacham. Why Hashem would not help you to become a Chacham? But there's no guarantee you become Rav Moshe Feinstein in your Midot. No guarantee. Still be arrogant, can still be angry, you can still be not 100% honest. Because that's your nature. But I know the old Mara, I know all the Mishnayot by heart, I know all the Shulchan Aruch by heart, I can tell you every question you ask me. I, yeah, yeah, you do, you can. Nobody argue, nobody challenge your wisdom. No, no. Or your knowledge, no. But Hashem knows, Hashem choker klayot valev, and you know who's jealous, who has a muna. I'll give you just one example. One example. Remember, remember, the examples I give you, it's guideline for life, how to look at life. We're not discussing here the news. We're discussing here a way of life. 
I'll give you an example. We live in a generation that social media is very dominant. Almost every rabbi, especially in Israel, in Israel it's even more dominant than here in America, believe it or not. Almost every rabbi has a Facebook page. Some rabbi has few. Like I have few of them, English, few in Hebrew. And some rabbis have Instagram pages. Why? Because they want to reach secular people that you'll never reach unless you go to those horrible places, such as Facebook, lefty, poisonous Facebook. How are you going to get the secular Jews to listen to Torah once in their life? You got to go where they are, where they are in social media. Same thing Instagram. Baruch Hashem, Hashem send me always people, always. Even if one got married and he leaves or she leaves, immediately Hashem sends someone else. The way the system been working for 25 years, camera people, volunteer here, volunteer there, driver here, driver in Mexico, as, uh, organizer in Holland, uh, uh, everywhere you go, there's always somehow everything gets done. So when you have uh, all these pages, right, and uh, you can see who is, a, who is a speaker for the sake of heaven and who is for the sake of himself. Now let's see who is clever here. How do you know before you even listen to one word from the mouth of that speaker? You go for the first time into social media pages. Rolling, scrolling down. How would you know, again, before you read what he has to say, and before you listen to one of his clips, how do you know in five minutes if he's a servant of Hashem and he really, really care to do the job for the sake of heaven, or it's all about himself? How do you know? That wasn't what I'm thinking, but you're right 100%. Yes. Based on the comments, if all the comments compliment him, it's not kosher. If mm -hmm. everyone is against him, it's not kosher. If it's a mixture of supporters and uh, opposers, there's a chance he's a kosher one. But that's not, there, was, there wasn't what I had in my mind. Baruch Hashem, very good, that's the answer. You see if he's the only face in the page or there is other speakers that he hosts. He gives the, the stage to others or it's all about him? Is he willing to, to uh, fla uh, flatter another speaker? Is he willing to put a video of somebody else on his page? Or on his website? Or in every other place that he, he owns? Is he willing to give the stage? Is he willing to put other rabbis writing, rabbi this say that, rabbi that say that, this is a video from that rabbi, this is a video from that, on the, on the WhatsApp groups, does he send videos of somebody else, or it's only him, and the whole world will crash, there's never going to be another face, even the holiest of the generation, they are now welcome in his page, right away in five minutes, you know if you should waste time on him or not, if you see, that he lets other people come, speak in shul, inspire the people, he endorses other ones if they're good. Then you know this person does for Hashem. Why? So, fantastic, I'm happy that somebody else will succeed as long as the Torah will be taught and spread. Why not? 
if you see that not only does not let anybody else speak besides himself, if somebody would succeed around, he will do everything he can to make him fail, that means that his entire Torah in, in operation goes to the Sitra Achra. He's feeding the Satan, making him stronger by the day. Why? It's all fake. Now, most people would, not, would never know it, because they never thought about it. They never, oh, actually, you know what? I'm uh, five years on this page, and it was only him. There's never, ever someone else. Never. Nobody is good. That's one example of I do it for myself, or I do it for others. I'll give you another example. You have yeshiva. Somebody come to you and say, I also have yeshiva. And we're doing very bad. Can you give me the names of all the wealthy people that donates to your yeshiva that I should call them? Of course. Come, let's sit on the names. I'll explain to you which one is what. And I'll tell you when is a good time to call him, when he's not. Let's see what I can help you with. Oh, what? You're crazy? You expect me to give you my secrets? Where do I make my money from? Here you go. Somebody that is a real believer in Hashem and has a munah that knows Parnassah comes from Hashem. And someone that thinks it's all me. It's all me, my connection. Here's another example. You'll never share. Do you, you begin to understand what I'm saying here? So it can be that you're very knowledgeable, but in your behaving, you're more secular than religious, let's put it that way. This is things that some secular people will do. Not only that, today, if somebody wants to expose a little part of his business and make you sign all these legal documents, Indeed. sign here that you will not discuss my business with anyone else, <laughs> it's getting even worse today. You can't even uh, move left and right, right away, lawsuit. Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem sent him to save the Jewish nation from a holocaust. They are in 49 gates of impurity, babies are dying, they lost everything they had, they live in camps, they torture them, they butcher them. And Moshe said to Hashem, I can't do that. Why? I'm going to offend my brother, Aaron. He's older than me, three years older. He may upset him. Hashem said to him, I give you my word, I know what's inside in his heart. He will come to welcome you and see that you got the job to be the leader and he will be happy in his heart. Not from the outside. From the outside, a lot of jealous people say, ah, And then they go home and sit with the husband all night and cry. Why them and not us? I can't believe it. Why Hashem? Why are you doing this? Then they begin to read Tehillim that the other person would lose. That's the nature of many jealous people. It kills them. I told you once, I know someone. I told him, let's go say Mazal Tov to somebody who gets married. No, I can't come. I'll wait for you outside. I can't come. Single guy. Back then he was 40, 42. I said to him, why, why can't you come? Poor guy is getting married. Let's go, dance five, ten minutes. And we'll, we'll move on. 
I can't, I can't, it burns my heart. Why? I'm 40, 42, I'm single. This guy's 23, 24, he's getting married. Kills me. I can't see it. That moment when he told me that, this is a guy who does not know how to lie. Some people, there are, there are some people who do not know how to lie. They can never say a lie. Like my father, Alava Shalom, was like that. Could never say a lie from his mouth, all his life. Never. It wasn't his personality. I have another friend, Rav Navarro, helped me a lot in the beginning when we went to Monsi. One time we needed to say a lie for the sake of peace. It was critical. Permitted by Allah, mitzvah. I told him, this is what you're going to say. If not, it's going to be a disaster. It's going to be in the fighting, this. When he came to say it, <laughs> I'm waiting. His mouth like this. Got stuck like this for 15 seconds. And he became red like a tomato. Did you ever see how red tomato is? I'm sure he did. That's how his face was. Then later I said to him, what are you, a fool? What's wrong with you? We prepared for it for an hour. Look what's going to happen now. this, that. What do you want me to say? I can't. It did not come out of my mouth. I can't. Even when it's mitzvah. So, Moshe, Hashem had to assure him that Aaron will not just pretend to be happy. Don't worry, young brother. I'm happy for you. What's wrong with you? You're my brother. You're my blood. Of course I'm happy you become a leader, but in the heart, why, why, it's not fair. Why is better than me? And Hashem said to him, he's going to be happy in his heart. You can find it in Exodus 4. He said to him, he's going to be happy in his heart. Exodus 4, verse 14. Rashi said, not only will not be upset that you're going up to greatness, he will be actually very happy to see it, naturally, purely. What was his reward? What was his reward for being happy? He became the Kohen. And the, and the Hoshen, the Hoshen with the 12 precious stones were put on his heart. Why? Because the only one that can put it on his heart is the Kohen. And Hashem made him the Kohen and all his children until today. And he's putting those stones on his chest. Why? The heart that is so pure and happy for others and not jealous deserve to have this tool of communication with Hashem on his heart. No one else deserved. What was the significance of this Hoshen? When they needed to ask God a question, the, light, the, the stones would light. Like light, much like light. They get an answer. Which tribe, which this. A miracle in front of everyone's face. That means if we would be on our chest, nothing would light. Short. No electric. Electric companies off. Cyber attack. But when he was on his chest, it blew. Why? Because this is a pure heart. Viracha Vesamach Belibo. Be so happy in his heart. So proud of you. 
זכה לחושן על ליבו, הלב ששמח בגדולת אחיו, ילבש אורים ותומים. The heart that was happy about the greatness of his brother will wear the אורים ותומים. That's the questions and answer with Hashem. והיו הלב אהרון תמיד. What is the meaning of the word תמיד? Always. Literally, what's the meaning of the word always in English? When you say to your friend, my friend Ruven always come here. What does it mean always come here? One day yes, one day no. Doesn't mean every day. Doesn't mean every second of his life. He's not here all the time. Always come here means frequently. Frequently is coming. Anybody's blocking the short driveway? Frequently is coming. When we say that the Choshen is on the chest of Aaron, Tamid, what does it mean? That he's always on his chest? No, he has to go to the bathroom, he has to go to sleep. It doesn't mean 24-7. I told you what the meaning of 24-7, no? We have the Pasuk that we say three times a day when we dive in. Poteach et yadecha, mumasbiya lechol chai ratzon. Hashem open his hands and feed every creature their needs. And he does it 24 days, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all year, every year, thousands of years. So what does it mean 24-7? This verse has seven words. Poteach et yadecha umasbiya lechol chai ratzon. Seven words. 24 letters. In this verse. Meaning not only I open my hands and supply, I do it non-stop. There's another verse. Hashem is never going to sleep while he's guarding the nation of Israel, his children. So going back, going back, the kosher ones will always eliminate their own understanding and their own desire and what I wanted and what I don't want. Once they know the big Chachamim says otherwise, end of story. And you have the other ones who it's always by what they want and what they desire and they don't care about anybody else. From the outside it looks, their religion looks very convincing, but from inside it's all empty. Why? It's not real. So the Torah, again, this whole introduction I just gave you for one reason. So when I tell you that the 15 judges in Israeli lefty trade Supreme Court are worse than Nebuchadnezzar and they're worse than the Nazis and they're worse than Khomeini and Arafat and Yassin and Saddam Hussein and everybody else you heard about, there is a reason why I tell you that. And it's not an exaggeration even by a bit. Because I looked at what the Torah said, not what we think. What we think, of course Hitler is worse than them. Like in millions of people, what do you compare them to them? 
After all, I don't think that one of these judges ever took a gun and shot someone in the head. So how can you compare them to the Nazis, or to the Hamas, or to Hezbollah, or to all those murderers, or to Nebuchadnezzar who killed millions? We are not talking about physical death here. Physical death, you're right. The Nazis are much worse than them. And everybody else I mentioned. We are talking spiritually. They are the worst, the worst in the whole world. To us. They are the biggest enemies of our nation. Every one of the ruling in the last 40 years was against Hashem. Every one of the rulings. There's never once they ruled something that God was proud of. It was always against the Torah. Always against the, the religious people. Always against Judaism. Always to help our enemies to destroy us. Always to destroy our country. Always. They mamash. It's like they, they put it in assignment. We won't rest until Israel will be destroyed completely. From all aspects. Look at all the rulings. You don't have to believe me. Just go and, and read. When Hamas used to burn buses and explode and shoot people, Israeli government decided to make a wall around Israel. Big cement wall. They did everything they can to break the wall. Open here, open here, to give them entry. The day they opened the wall, that day they came and they murdered a few Israelis, among them some babies. Same day. As soon as they open it, a few hours later, they came and shot and, and slaughtered a few kids in the house. And they did it hundreds of times. But, let's get to the point. Yesterday they ruled the most controversial ruling they ever ruled. That now, from now on, every fake conversion that will be done, no matter where, in out of Israel, inside Israel, anyone who come with a piece of paper, I converted in a reform conversion, which everybody knows it's nothing, because the reform people don't keep one mitzvah from the Torah. If you yourself don't keep one mitzvah, how can you uh, announce that somebody else is Jewish? You yourself are not Jewish. You yourself are not keeping the Torah. So who are you to make conversion? Don't even know one law of the Torah. If I'm not a judge in a court in America, here in New York, I do not know the laws of the land about import and export, right? Duty, taxes, I don't know. Never read it once in my life. Now I say, okay, I want to sit in a court here in Manhattan and tell everybody what they have to pay. Looks like a biggest job. Go learn 20 years. When you finish, come back, we'll let you rule, the, you know, in, in, in some cases. They do not know, most of them do not even know how to read. I'm not exaggerating. You give them Gemara, they won't understand one word. They don't know. And they want to rule about the most complicated rules in Judaism. The most, one of the most complicated things is conversions. You have to know who's the person, how really is. Some goyim are very sincere. Some are totally not. Some going will be blessing to the Jewish people if you let them join us. Some of them will be cancer to the Jewish people. Depend on each individual. Nothing to do with white, black, from this country, from that country, male, female. Eh, not relevant. Sometimes you will find a non-Jew 
that is uh, white and it's very good and sometimes a white one will be very bad or black, same thing. Or oriental. I'm, I know all kinds. Some of them are very serious and some of them were not a good candidate because it's not for them. It's not for them. Not everyone is capable of of practicing Judaism from A to Z in a right kosher way. So what do they do? They know, Rabotai, they're not, they're not that stupid. They know that by ruling what they ruled yesterday, it's an official, official beginning of the end of Israel. Meaning in one generation there will be no more Jewish state left in the world. The Holocaust was for nothing. Why we got Israel? After the Holocaust, the United Nations fell bad. These anti-Semites, United Nations, when they made the vote, many of them voted for Israel to go back to their land and establish a state because of guilty feelings that they did nothing to stop the killing of millions of Jews. There was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Most likely it will never happen without the Holocaust. If there was no Holocaust prior to that, the vote will be against Israel coming back to their land. Of course, we know that. Some of them shortly after already regret that they vote for Israel. People have short memory. Ten years later, they have already forgot the Holocaust. Why did we vote to let the Jews establish their homeland? Why? Yes, we know the truth. We see today how they behave, these Europeans. The question now is, they want to destroy Israel from a civil aspect. Why? It's much easier to destroy Israel with a, from a civil point of view than from a religious point of view. And I'll tell you why. To take one, one and a half million ultra-Orthodox Jews that lives in Israel and learn in Yeshivot, about 150,000 of them morning to night learn Torah, it's going to be hundreds of years of war secular against religious, this war will never end. It's going to be bloodshed, civil war, fighting, hatred, anti-Semitism, just like you see now, and it won't reach anywhere. Both sides would suffer forever. They know it. So what did they do? 25 years ago, the Israeli government saw that there is so many Baalei Tshuva. A lot of Israelis became religious. Faradim, Ashkenazim, all kinds of people become religious. Wow, it's not good. There's a lot of new religious people now. That's a big danger for us as a state. If we want to keep Israel secular, like the Goim, like Paris and London, we must wake up and do something about it. To convince the religious Baalei Tshuva to go back to become secular as they used to be, it's impossible. So what should we do? They have an idea. Let's import a lot of goyim to Israel. Bring a lot of goyim to Israel, that will give us another 20-30 years of rest from this annoying, fanatic, religious Jews. So what are we going to do? We are, we, back then it was like 5 million people in Israel, about a million and a half Arabs. It wasn't that many, I'm talking 25-30 years ago. Now we have about 9 million. 9 million, 21% of them are Arabs. So about 2 million Arabs, 9 million, so 7 million those who are supposed to be Jews. Many of them are not Jewish, but they are supposed to be Jews. That's it, 7 million. 
So they said, what are we going to do? We will bring from Russia a lot of people. We give them $15,000 a person to come. What do they have in Russia? Come in East Russia, this, that. We'll bring them into Israel, give them money. They'll be very happy. Many of the Jews married to non-Jews in Russia, so we'd let them come with their spouse and their children. So a family of five come, one is Jewish, let's say the man is a Jew, the, the mother and the four children are not Jewish. We'll bring all of them. Why? The law of Israel say that if one in a family is Jewish, bring the whole thing. Okay, so let's bring a lot of them. Then they started to bring totally non-Jews. Nothing to do with married to a Jew or not. Anyone want. A lot of Russians, they were, they were hating the country. Ukraine, Russia. $15,000, they will have to work 10 years to save such an amount. They came to Israel. A lot of them. By the way, some of them went back to Russia after they got the money. They took the money and went back. After that, one million of them stayed in Israel. Statistically. The Israeli government published a year ago the document, not the religious rabbi, the Israeli secular government, admitting that from one million Russians and Ukrainians that came to Israel, 96% of them are not Jewish. Only 4% are Jewish. So approximately 40,000 were Jews, totally not religious, communist, and 960,000 non-Jews on top of two, uh, two million Arabs, now the 960,000 uh, non-Jews that came now are much more. They're probably about a million and a half now, because they're children, many of them. So yeah, between the Arabs and the Russian, almost four million from the nine are not Jewish in Israel. Plus you have a lot of Thailandi workers, a lot of Chinese workers, and 200,000 Sudanese and Eritreans that smuggle from the fence into Israel. Now here is what's going to happen after yesterday ruling. Get ready. As soon as they will make it official, which probably will take weeks, 200,000 Sudanese, and many of them are horrible, dangerous terrorists. Many of them have very serious criminal record. Some of them were uh, in all kinds of terror activities in the past. Many of them are rapists and murderers that escaped from their country. They came to Israel. They occupied the whole south of Tel Aviv. If I show you a video how they curse the Jews and how they say, this is our country, we will kick you out of here, you already feel that they own Israel. The Israelis are shaking from them. No police is going near them. They do whatever they want, prostitution, drugs, needles, all over the south of Tel Aviv. It's a horrible video. If you see the video, you become depressed for 20 years. You don't want to come out of bed when you see what they did. They come tomorrow to the Israeli office of immigration. Hi, I have a paper. Rabbi Ahmed, the reform, <laughs> the reform from Gaza, he told me I'm a Jew. Here, look, he has a letter. Rabbi Ahmed, Rabbi Chris, Rabbi Chris from Sudan, Rabbi uh, John from uh, Eritrea, look, and, uh, and the rabbis of Tel Aviv, the gay rabbi and his husband, they invited me to Shabbat service with cello and violin, 
And they told us, we're all Jewish, look, we got, a, we got a letter. You must give them Israeli passport immediately and citizenship, and they can, can never evict them from Israel. That's it. Officially now they are Jewish. What will you do if you're going to have 20 million goyim, enemies of Israel, Nazis, anti-Semites, Arabs, all people who want the destruction of Israel, coming now to Israel, look, I'm a Jew, a, a reform rabbi, give him a thousand dollar rabbi, Rabbi John, come here, make me please a Jew, how much? You give me a thousand dollars, Mazel Tov, welcome to the Jewish nation, comes to Israel, to the airport, hi, I made Aliyah, what? Here, I'm a Jew, who gave it to you? The Pope. The Pope. The Pope is much better than a reform. There's no question about it. A church, Rav Avigdor Miller ruled. They asked him, what's worse? A reform synagogue or a church? Church is officially a place of idol worshipping. A place of... What's worse? Really, you have to know. What's worse? A reform temple or a church? Which place Hashem hates more? He ruled. Reform synagogue is worse than a church. If you have, if you are forced to enter one of those two places, reform synagogue or church, a church is not as bad. Both of them is a sin. But a reform synagogue to step inside is don't require. I tell you why. Christians are idol worshippers. Most of them not intentionally. Out of foolishness, out of ignorance. They brainwashed them with the stupid idea of the God have a son, and he came and had a relationship with a married woman and made her pregnant, and this son will be a special hero, and he's the son of God. And I don't know what, where was the head of these Christians when they heard that story, but somehow they adopted that silly story, and that was 2,000 years ago, and today their children and grandchildren they're already born into that reality. So when they come to the church on Sunday and they hear music, hallelujah, ha, and they have the choir and it's nice, they have a Christmas tree and gift, and Santa is going to give them a special Xbox for Christmas. Why not? What do they have in life? At least they brought some juice into their life. I'm talking to you from speaking to many former Christians. What else did they have in life? You Jews have holidays, it's Muslim holidays, what will I have? At least now he gave me some flavor to my life. Oh. So when they come to the church and they pray to JC or they pray to God, you know, remember once I told you, the guy in my bank is a Christian. I told him I have a good joke for you. He was, he was raised in a Christian school, a very decent person, really wonderful person. He found out I'm a rabbi, he started to listen to me, actually like my lectures. <laughs> Very interesting. So I told him I have a great joke for you. <laughs> he said, what's the joke? So he used to be Rabbi Berkowitz in Lausanne. He was a good, uh, he knew how to tell a joke. He came to Chris in uh, Lausanne in Switzerland. What's up, brother? It was Christmas Eve, December 24th, 1 p.m., when they close the office and everybody goes home to prepare for Yom Tov. <laughs> so 
exactly. What's up, brother Chris? Tonight is the happiest night of my life. So the Krishna knows this guy, this Jew is coming to make fun at me now. So he said to him, oh, yeah, Rabbi, how come? He said, when else the rest of the years you find two billion Christians bow down all of them to one Jew? So <laughs> Jesse he was a Jew. He looked at him. Then he came two days later, after Yom Tov. He came to him and said, well, Rabbi, you ruined my Christmas. Because of you, I could not pray in a church. I suffered the entire day. Every time I was about to pray to JC, I remember your words. That's it. I hate JC now. <laughs> Such an anti-Semite. He never thought before I'm worshipping a Jew. He hates Jews so much, this Swiss guy. All of a sudden, he realized I'm actually worshipping a Jew. The ones that I hate the most in the world. <laughs> he ruined his life. So those... What do they know? That's the way they raise them, that's it. But reforms, different story. Different story. They actually decided to declare a war against Hashem and against his Torah. Whatever the Torah say aloud, they say. Whatever the Torah say not aloud, they say it's aloud. Torah say you cannot have gay uh, relationship, they marry gays. No female gay relationship, they marry women with women. No people with animals, they marry women with dogs. Tefillin is very holy, you have to be careful where you put it. They put it in the head of a dog and make him bar mitzvah. That's what they do. Don't be mechalel Shabbat, they declare driving on Shabbat, lighting fire, everything the Torah says not to do. On purpose they made it kosher. The reform is a perfect example to the nature of the human being. If you come tell your son, come with me to shul, 7 a.m., Shabbat. Come with me to shul, Moishi. No, Abba, I'm tired, there's minyan at 9. Come, let's, let's dive in early. No, no. Oh, I'm tired, I can't, leave me alone. What? How would you get him to come? You come the next Shabbat and say, Itzik, you coming with me? Avi, you coming with me? Moishi, you don't come with us. You stay home. You cannot come. No, no, why I cannot come? No, you can't come. You don't come with me anymore to shul. Stay home, I don't care. Do whatever you want. They come, you don't come. It's called reverse psychology. As soon as you tell him you cannot come, what's the first thing he wants to do? Only cares about, he comes to the mother, you see, he doesn't want to take me. Talk to him. But he always begged you to come, you never wanted to go. Now he said, no, you cannot come, you want to come. Whatever people tell you, automatically your Yetzirah say, do the opposite. So these reform women, they don't keep any mitzvah from the Torah, except one. What do they want to do? They all of a sudden decided to put filling. Shabbat? No. Modesty? No. Eating kosher? No. Brachot? No. Learning Torah in the right, proper way, from the right books? No. Not to be gay? No. Everything, they do the opposite. All of a sudden, she's so fanatic, she get on a flight, pay $2,000 to arrive from New York to Yerushalayim, to come to the western wall in a hot, muggy summer, 
hundred degrees outside. Why? That they should take a picture of her with a tefillin on her hair, and on her hand, to get the real Jews angry. If you would tell her in New York, come, come, I want you to put fill in. Menachem Mendel will call her, come here, come. Ma'am, come, I want to put fill in on you. No, no, I don't have time now. It's all the opposite. If you would tell her in New York, I want you to come every day to put fill in, she would agree? Of course not. It doesn't get anybody angry. But in Jerusalem, if there's an opportunity to get those religious guys angry, of course I go. That's why you have to be careful when you start to debate someone, not always it's a good idea. Some people, first of all, they'll never leave you alone because it's all their ego. And second, you give them the stage. Before you, nobody knew who they are. That's all they want. They want to instigate, to get in a fight with you. Just like in boxing. You have some loser from the neighborhood. Nobody knows who he is. He come to the champ. I'll beat you. I'll kill you. You're afraid of me, I know. Oh yeah? Bring him in. No, he's nobody. What? No, nah, no, bring him. I'll show him. <laughs> he got a few punches. After 30 seconds, he's almost dead. But he got what he wanted. He got what he wanted. Publicity. So what did they do? They made it in such a way now that Israel officially does not belong anymore to Jews. That's it. Because now everybody can come with a toilet paper in his hand and say that you must let me in and give me an Israeli passport. That's step number one. Step number two, then they become the majority. Step number two, they will, it's a democratic country. They'll take over the government. Step number three, they'll tell the Jews, you don't belong here. You're the minority and you're pinning the neck. We don't want you here. This is Sudan. Get out of here. Well, but also, no one's going to know who they can marry and not marry anymore. That's a different story. For that, there is a solution. Religious people have to stop being lazy, and they make a special office. They're going to make a building. And everybody will have to come and prove his Judaism and his genealogy, your mother, your grandmother, and, and they're going to have a family, each family with dates. They're going to have, it's, it's a second, it's going to be a secondary office. There will be the government garbage office, which means nothing. And it will be an ultra-Orthodox agency that if you want to prove that you're a Jew or, or, or Orthodox convert, you will need to get from them a special uh, document. And then you're going to have to give your children that document. Well, it will be a separate ID. So if one day, David, you would like your great son that was born a year ago to marry a beautiful Jewish girl, Tzadika, and he's going to meet her in Yerushalayim in a Kotel or anywhere in a Shiduch, and they are going to have to go to that office. Hi, Shalom. Uh, I would like to check uh, if this girl is really Jewish. Okay, what's your name? What's your ID? Show me the ID. Okay, you're the daughter of this. Yes, she, your mother is Jewish. Your grandmother is Jewish. No problem. Yes, she is. Let me check your document. Mazel tov. You can get married. That's it. There's a way around it. What will happen would be in a generation or two, there's not going to be any more secular Jews left in the world. It's going to be only ultra-Orthodox and Goyim. That's it. 
no more secular, no more traditional, they will all be gone. Don't get me wrong, in, in 30 years from now you will still meet Israelis anywhere in the world and tell you, what are you talking about? I'm a Jew, my grandfather was a rabbi in Iran, my grandfather was a rabbi in Poland. We don't care about their stories. They will all be Bechezkat Goim. You know what it means, Bechezkat Goim? I'll tell you what it means. You go to a, to a market, a market in Manhattan. You have ten boots that sells meat. Nine of them sell pork and non-kosher meat. One of them is glad kosher. And ten people uh, no, one person bought uh, meat there, and the meat does not have any, have any identification on uh, The bag does not have anything to ID where it came from, like a white regular plain bag. And he left it in a bus stop. And you, an Orthodox Jew, now you come, you see in that market a bag. This meat, there is a 10% chance that it's glad kosher, right? There's 10 boots. One of them is kosher, nine of them is not. This meat, there is a 10% chance it's kosher, or it's 100% not kosher? 100% not permitted. Why? Chazaka, certainty. What would be if it's the other way around? Nine glad kosher, one non-kosher. Then it will have chazaka of basar kosher. We still won't eat it. Because there's still 10% chance that it's not kosher. Why should I take a risk? I go to a kosher place. But... At least you know what it means now, chazaka. Chazaka means certainty. Certainty. For instance, you have a person that is Shomer Shabbat. You saw him driving a car on the next Shabbat in Ocean Parkway. Because you have a certainty of Shomer Shabbat, you have to give him the benefits of the doubt that ho something horrible happened. Maybe he's on the way to the hospital. Who knows what happened? Why he's driving? It's not Mechalel Shabbat. But if he's a person that is secular, it's not Shomer Shabbat, and you saw him driving on Shabbat, and your son asks you, Abba, why the neighbor drives on Shabbat? You tell him, because he's Rasha, because he's wicked and he rebels against Hashem. It's against the rules of the Torah. You're not allowed to tell him, no, he's a tzaddik, he's on the way to the hospital. Because when you have to give the benefits of the doubt to a person, you must give it to him in a subject that we discussed based on his chazaka. If he's a well-known thief, he's Shomer Shabbat, he's even learning uh, Torah every day uh, with Hevruta, but he's known to be a crook in a business. He can be living in Lakewood, in Muncie, in Williamsburg, in a very ultra-Orthodox community. But in a business world, 20 people already sued him. He stole from me this, he stole from me that, he cheated the bank, he take loans and he doesn't pay back. Over the years, he built himself a reputation of a crook. So now, if 10 people came to you, to your house, and your wallet disappeared, and the other nine has a clean reputation, nobody ever caught them stealing or anything like that, and they're not known as crooks, they're known as kosher people, you have to assume that it's the crook that stole your wallet. When the police come, he asks you, do you have a suspect? What's the law of the halacha in Shulchan Aruch say? You have to tell the policeman, he is the thief, according to the Torah. 
Why? Chazaka that he's the only one is capable of stealing. Why? Because he's done it 20 times already. More than three times? Chazaka. Where we learn it from? From an axe. An axe, there is an innocent one, Tam, and there is an axe that has a chazaka of goring. He go others. If he go once, it's still not a certainty. Maybe somebody got him angry, maybe the flies were in his eyes, who knows, drove him crazy. But if he gored already three other axes or cows, already three times, that means he has a certainty of a dangerous axe. From now on, his status changed. The penalty of his owner will be double. Why? Because he had to be extra careful and not let him go free in the field. Because he already has chazaka of a violent axe. That's how the Torah is. You have a certainty of a kosher woman, you dress modest, you never talk to men, you don't have social media that you chat with guys and send your pictures to the whole world, you have a certainty of a kosher woman. If one person saw you in a place that is not modest one time, they have to give you the benefits of the doubt that some probably was pikuach nefesh, maybe you were busy saving someone's life, who knows. There has to be something kosher while you went there. But if you're a woman that dress not modest on the street, and you're always on social media showing, uh, you know, things that you're not supposed to, and now somebody saw you in a place, we have to assume that you are busy with the scene. You got it? That's what I say. It's either kav schut or kav schug. <laughs> you know the difference or no? Kav schut means the benefits of the doubt. Kav schug means, you know, the crush, spicy peppers that the Yemenites eat. They mix with a little oil and parsley, green. You take one spoon, the David There are some of them, the peppers, if that's the pepper, let's say, you just touch it from the outside with your finger. And then you touch your tongue. For maybe four hours, tears are coming from your eyes and you're dying. It's like fire on your tongue. Without biting! Those little ones. It burns the stomach to such a way that you feel that someone took match and threw it in and it's burning your stomach. <laughs> Why did Hashem make such a spicy pepper? I never knew until I went to Mexico. <laughs> when I went to Mexico, I saw the amigos eating it with candy. For candy. They take the jalapeno, they cover it with sugar, and that's what the kids eat. So I say to my host, I want to bring candy, before I knew that their candy is all jalapenos. So I wanted to bring some, what do you bring little kids from Mexico? What am I going to bring them? A sombrero? <laughs> so maybe I'll get some kosher candies. Don't worry, Rabbi, I'll take you directly to the factory of the kosher candy. Took me to the place, I go inside, I see bags, shelves. They all have beautiful color, blue, red, you know, pouring colors. Give me one bag from these, give me one, and everything is so cheap, one dollar this. So I'm in Mexico. <laughs> and I arrived to Monsi. Look, guys, I bought you a lot of candy. <laughs> everything went to the 
to Sylvia, the cleaning lady. They like it, they eat alopino, the kids over there from age three, they already bite alopino with a little red sugar. Okay, it's all in the genes. So, let's move on. So, now, what's going to happen is, we have an election coming up in Israel. The religious people in Israel we have, will have to step up and say to Netanyahu, you want us to form a government with you on one condition. That's our condition. First thing the government will do is cancel this rule of the Supreme Court. Make it an official rule. The problem in Israel, Rabotai, that the government is nothing. Who runs Israel? It's not like here in America. In America, the Supreme Court does not push their nose into the government's wall unless they are asked to. Somebody goes to... In Israel, it's not like that. It's 15 lefty liberal judges, haters of Hashem, haters of Torah, haters of Israel. They hate everything about Judaism. So as soon as they see something that is pro-religion or is anti-Hamas, immediately they jump. No! We will cancel that rule. What do you mean? The government made a rule. The nation voted for them. It's democracy. It's illegal. This law is cancelled. There is one Arab racist woman who called for destruction of Jews. She joined together with liberal Jews. They like each other, the terrorists and the lefties. They both have the same mutual goal, to destroy Israel. So they sit together in a party. So the people started to publish some of the things she was saying over the years. So the committee of the Knesset canceled her. Say, you're a racist, you cannot, you cannot run for, for the election. I was laughing. I said, well, it's a good thing. <laughs> Give it a week. The Supreme Court will cancel the cancellation and put her right back in. And of course they did it. Rabbi Meir Kahana, Alava Shalom, if you remember, he was murdered here in Lexington Avenue in Manhattan 25 years ago. Rabbi Meir Kahana did not say kill all Arabs, kill anyone who's not Jewish. He didn't say that. He said Israel belongs to the Jews. He was very, very strong writing. They cancelled him. They say you're racist. She called for destruction of Jews, for destruction of city in Israel. Bring her back. Bring her back. It's not fair you threw her out. So when our own nation is like this, it looks very, very bad. But there is one uh, positive point about it. Who knows? Everything bad, even very bad, if you dig well, you may find something good about it. Who knows what's good about it? Huh? Wait, wait, I can't hear 15 people together. There's other ways to show you who's good and who's bad without destroying Israel, like vaccines. Just show you who's good and who's bad. Go ahead. Mashiach gets closer. Is there any guarantee for that? No. Everything's going to be like backwards and... No, you're very close. You say Masechet Sota, I give you even a better source. The Zohar said that before the Mashiach will come, who will take over Israel? The wicked Erev Rav. Okay, so it's very good. That means 
We are mamash moments before the end. That means if we get lucky, soon we will see the end of these enemies of Hashem, those judges. In our own eyes, we'll see what happened to them when Mashiach come. Just for that, I'm willing to give any amount of money. <laughs> yes. By the way, to see the destruction of the wicked people, is this nothing? Or it's a gift? We once, I think we once discussed that, no? It's a gift. If you see the end of a wicked person, a Jew. Not only non-Jew, anti-Semite Nazi. A Jew. An enemy of Hashem, a lefty, hater of Torah, wants to turn Israel to Paris, not to a place of Torah. When you see his end, it's a reward from, from Hashem. Who can tell me the source? Huh? What do you say? Lot. The angel came to save Lot and his family, and he said to them, you only get saved thanks to your uncle Abraham, not thanks to you. If it was up to you, you're married, you will die all with all the sodomized people. But because you are a nephew of Abraham, and Hashem does not want Abraham to be upset, that his only relative died in Sodom, that's why you are being saved. But don't dare to look back to see how Hashem burns all the gays and all the wicked people. Because if you will turn your face and look at their end, you will die with them. And the wife of Lot, curiosity is a very, very strong drive. She had to see. She turned around and she became a pillar of salt. There's many other examples. It's written in the Gemara, that in the next world, the righteous people will always see ashes running under their legs when they are in an in in upper world. Hashem said, these wicked people that now control you, there will be ashes running under your feet. Under your feet. So you see, why does Hashem need the ashes of the wicked people to fly from hell into the section in heaven where the righteous Jews are enjoying the greatness of God? I can enjoy the greatness of God without seeing ashes running under my feet, no? Why do I have to see ashes all the time? To see the end of those who make fun of the Torah, those who fought you, those who wrote against you online, those who did all the things against the religion, to see what was their end, it's a special pleasure. Now I know what you're thinking. I would rather give up this pleasure, Rabbi. I don't wish bad to anyone. I don't agree with what they do. I don't agree with the things that they say against Hashem and against the Torah. But I don't really wish them bad. What's the right opinion of the Torah how to handle this kind of wicked people? First, we have to hope they will repent that they should become righteous. But if they don't, then what? When Hashem destroys them or bring them their punishment, 
You should be happy or you should be sad about it? Happy. Must be happy. You must be happy. If you're not happy, this is what the Gemara say about you. Everyone who has mercy on the wicked guarantee to be cruel to the righteous. And that's what you see in the Supreme Court. You're going to come and tell them there's a Palestinian Hamas terrorist family. He murdered a few Jews. The law say that you have to bring down the house. I don't agree. Why? Uh, leave, him, leave the family alone. Why the Israeli government made that rule? To make the family call the police and warn them my son is about to go and blow up some Israeli children. And it was proven 97%. They get hundreds of calls every year from parents of jihadists that are planning to go and bomb a place. The father calls or the brother. My brother is crazy. He went through brainwash by the Hamas. Please come quickly and stop him before it's going to be a disaster. And they don't know. And they come, they arrest him before. Why? Because they know that if they would let the brother go and blow up the place in Tel Aviv, a week later the Israeli army will blow up their house. And they have no house left. They have to go live by the cousins. So that's a fantastic way to save the life of hundreds of innocent Israelis every year. Why? Because if your brother is about to go and then blow up the, the, the Empire State Building, and you know that because you knew and you did not warn the authority, you're going to become also a criminal, you will call the authority even if you would love your brother to actually attack. Because you worry about your house. But the Israeli Supreme Court want Israeli to die. Why? Why should you blow up the house of Ahmed? Let Israelis die. Who cares? Let a Jewish baby be slaughtered in the crib. Who cares? We care about Ahmed that you move his olive tree 60 feet to the left. It's not fair. And the government will pay him for that, of course. Ahmed, we want to make a wall. So we're taking away like 10 feet from your property and we'll make it up to you from here. Or we'll pay you for that. Or, you know, it's all rules. Supreme Court, bring down the wall. Why? The wall is stepping over the land of Ahmed. So you would rather that terrorists will come every day and kill our people because Ahmed is not happy that he got $10,000 that the wall touched a little bit in the end of his backyard even mm -hmm. here in America, the town has the right to take away from your property if there's no sidewalk. It's very interesting, I don't know if you know, I, when I was in LA, I walked with a bunch of people to the synagogue. About 15, in Encino, 15 minutes walk. Then I saw a huge church there, huge. And there was a bus stop and a sidewalk, let's say six feet wide. And uh, I see that my host, walking with me, said, let's go across the street. We go from there. I said, why? He said, I don't want to walk next to this idol worshiping place. I said, you don't step on the land. The grass finish here, and there's a bus stop, and there's a sidewalk. He said to me, you don't know the rule in California? 
every property owned until half of the road. We have a road now, let's say the road is uh, 30 feet wide. Where the house on the right and the house across the street, they own their grass, they own the sidewalk, and they own half of the road. All the way to there. That's the way it was. But the city took away from them room to make a road and to make a sidewalk. But they, they actually, they own it. I have in my backyard a sewer for the, for the neighborhood. Baruch Hashem, they never used it for 20 years. But they can come anytime they want to clean it, to check it, to open it. They don't need my permission. They show up. They come on my driveway, big car, they can come. I never saw it happen. Maybe they did. I wasn't there. They go to the backyard. In my property, they can, they can get a ten over there. Well, excuse me, Chris, what are you doing here? It's a beautiful day, Rabbi. I enjoy the sun. Well, why on my backyard? Don't you see I'm walking? The sewer is open. Nothing you can do. In America, it's called easement. Easement. By, by the Torah, it's the same thing. There's only one difference. In America, for you to lose your property to the public may take seven years. In the Torah, it's three years. In New York, seven years. In other states, it's called certainty. I give you an example. Let's say people like to do a shortcut from your property to the parallel street. They don't want to go around the block. So they can cut from your backyard. They have to walk on your grass. We allow them. You don't put a sign, no transparency. So they walk every day, every Shabbat. People walk on your property and you're happy. Why, Why should I torture people to go around? After three years that you did not protest from the Torah, if one day you change your mind, say, okay, guys, enough is enough. I'm putting a fence. They can take you to bed in and the bed in force you to put down your fence. This aisle is not yours anymore. The public gained it after three years that you did not protest. Same thing if someone moves, moves into your house without permission. You know, it's in style now. You have an empty home. You come one day to visit. Maybe you check if you got some mail. Yes, can I help you? Who are you? What are you doing in my house? What are you doing on my property? It's my house. <laughs> No, it's my house. Go and prove not to the police, it's your house. They don't care. Take him to court. And they even show you a contract. Look, the real estate broker got, got me a contract. I pay rent. <laughs> Someone took away your home. Imagine you go like this three years. Three years you let him leave. Then you showed up from the Torah, they got the property already. The Gemara discuss if you knew or you didn't know. Maybe you're on the other side of the ocean. Assuming they know you knew and you did not protest for three years, it's theirs. In America, in New York, seven years. Seven years you did not declare anything, you don't protest, you don't put signs, you don't call the police. It become theirs. Saba Mikelem Zatzal, in his book Chokhmah and Musar, is asking about 
Why are we so impressed that Aaron was happy that Moshe was elected to be the leader? Aren't we very impressed? If you see a man 83, two brothers, one is 83, big rabbi, one is 80, big rabbi. And the 80 was chosen instead of the 83, and the 83 is really, really happy. I'm so happy, I'm so happy. Or, or, or the 83 was elected, he said, no, no, take my brother, he's, he's better than me, he's younger, but he's better, take him. We will be very impressed. Why are we so impressed from Aaron? That's what he's asking. The nation of Israel is in the worst torture that you can imagine. They are deep in, in 49 gates of impurity. Hashem is sending a saviors to save them, to give them Torah soon. And what, the, what did you expect? That Aaron is going to worry about his ego? Aren't you ashamed of yourself? That's what you have in your mind right now? The nation is destroyed and you worry about this? If Aaron will not be happy, we would be very disappointed from him. But when now, when Aaron was happy, we are so impressed. He's asking, I don't understand, what's to be impressed? Any Jew save our, our nation. Who cares who? As long as the job got done, no? But what can we do that the most common thing is that a person loves himself more than the entire world combined? Whole world put on a scale. He loves Itzik, he loves Avi, and he loves Moshe, and he loves his sister, and he loves everyone. Put it on one side. In the end, he loved himself more. חביבה לאדם רגלו שלא מראשו של חברו. You have your best friend. They tell you, Itzik, we have to kill your friend, we're sorry. But if you will donate your leg, you stay with one leg, we chop your leg off in a surgery, you'll stay with only one leg, with the... Cane, cane, or whatever, crutches. Then we will say we will save your friend and will not chop his head off. You love him; he's a good friend. Everything is good, but you don't want to live not sixty years with one leg. What kind of life you gonna have? That's what the Gemara say. Your leg, on a scale compared to a head of somebody, the head worth a lot more than the leg, but it's my leg or my finger. There's even a question in halacha if somebody is about to die and you can press the vein with your thumb until you get him into the hospital, but it will be hours. And when you press for hours, there's no circulation of blood and you can actually lose your finger. Are you obligated to lose your finger to save the life of another Jew? That's the question. It happens, by the way. Do you know, do you know that famous story or no? <coughs> you probably don't remember the details, though. In Lebanon, in a war, one soldier got a bullet. Somebody shot him. And there was one person who saw that it's dripping blood, 
and he pressed on the artery with his finger and they sent an helicopter and they picked him up and they took him to Haifa Hospital, Rambam, which is about 20 minutes with a helicopter. But until they came and until they picked him up, it was like two hours, the whole thing. And on the entire time, the soldier is holding it and it's killing his finger. It's like blue already. But if he knows, as soon as I pick it up, all the blood is going to spritz out and he's dead. When they got to the hospital, immediately they blocked the place. They said, now you can release your finger. They took him into surgery and his life got saved. And it's very interesting that that soldier that saved the life of the other one was actually staying in the hallway for two and a half hours and he read the whole Tehillim for him. And the parents of the wounded soldier arrived and they saw him and they ran quickly into the inside where the surgery is. And when they came out, he left already. Why? He asked one of the nurses and she says, out of life risk. That's it. He came out of risk. That's the story. What you don't know is that 20 years earlier, you know how today they have a, a, a new style. Today they make the movie from the end to the beginning. Everything in this world is upside down. <coughs> Sleepy Joe took Trump. The world is all crooked and upside down. No. By the way, speaking about Sleepy Joe, finally he did one positive thing since he got elected. You know what? Huh? That's probably the first and last good thing he will do. What did he do? They opened in Israel, in Tel Aviv, the biggest Jewish museum for Jewish history. Supposedly something big with lots of history and pictures. And he sent a letter to the museum. The entire letter is praising the wonderful relationship between America and Israel with mutual values and freedom to mankind and Judea Christo. And I learned a lot from the Jewish leaders, starting from Golda Meir until this one, and friendly with that, and da 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 da. And America and Israel are great friends, and you know, beautiful letter. In words, they're very good. Better than nothing. Could have not uh, agreed to their. They requested from him a letter that they'll put in a museum. I tell you something. Hussein Obama, when he came to Israel, he went to the Western Wall and he put a note inside the wall. Hussein Obama. Of course, one Hasid came right away. <laughs> Hasid, see Hussein Obama put a note, and what do you think? He's gonna wait <laughs> to keep the note inside more than a minute. As soon as Hussein turned around, grabbed it, Yoili opened the letter, showed it to the whole world. What was on the letter? Dear God, already better than 80% of the Israeli politicians. Once in their life they said the word God. Dear God, help me and my family and my daughter, da da da, and help me to do your will in the world. Hussein Obama. How many Israeli Prime Ministers besides Menachem Begin ever say that? Ben Gurion? No. Rabin? No. 
ברק, אוף, היה אולמר, שם ירחם. נו הוא. נתניהו. נתניהו? אני לא מבין מה אני אגיד, אני ישיבות עם יאיר לפיד, כשהם היו ביחד. מנחם בגין היה גוד פריים מיניסטר, אבל זה לא שומר שבת, לרם תורה כל יום. זה דיפרנט בין כל אחד. בגין, זה on the store, and she was pregnant, and she said, you look very sad. She started to talk to her, she said, yes, I have scheduled for abortion. I'm scheduled for abortion. And she said, oh, God forbid, why would you do an abortion? The, the owners of the store are religious. The woman is not religious. Why would you make an abortion? Ah, it's hard for me, we don't have money, all kinds of excuses. What happened in the end? She convinced her not to make an abortion. And the baby was born. Who is that baby that was born? The baby that became an Israeli soldier 20 years later. And he saved the soldier, which is the son of this couple from the hardware store. The baby that was born, she convinced her to give birth to that baby. That baby that was born 20 years later saved their son. But how did she find out about it? Now I remember. She convinced her not to abort, not in a store, in a different place when they met. 20 years later, the mother of the soldier that saved the life of the other one She walked by the hardware store and she see a sign on the window. Our son got saved by a miracle of Hashem, by a soldier in Lebanon, and we did not have a chance to thank him properly. He is gone before we came out of the surgery room. Anyone who knows who it is, please send him to the store. And now this is the mother. She goes into the hardware store and she says, I can't believe this. This was my son. He was telling me all about it. And as they started to talk, she said, you look familiar to me. Yes, you are the one who convinced me not to lose the baby. And my baby saved the life of yours. No. Huh? What are the odds that something like this will be coincidence? The Saba Mikelem say, from Shamaim you don't get a free gift. There's no free gift. There's no false punishment. If you got something, you deserve it. There's a very common mistake by people. He didn't deserve it. Someone died. It's not fair. He's such a great person. He didn't deserve to die like this. Heresy. 
This was an already comment. What do you mean he didn't deserve? So what, Hashem killed people for nothing? He doesn't like the color of their uh, hair or something? Maybe that's why he killed him? Or maybe as a Russian roulette? Speaking about Russian, someone sent me yesterday a video, I almost fainted. Putin! I already told you a long time ago that Putin is the richest guy in the world. They say this, Bill Gates, they're all puppets compared to him. They're hundreds of billions. From a long time ago, he basically have all the money of Russia in his pocket. Someone sent me a video, you cannot believe what a palace he built himself. In some mountain there by the ocean. In the history of the world, there was no palace like this in the world. Anywhere. Not even King Akashverosh. That owned 127 countries. It's the size of a city. You can drive 10 minutes with a car around there. You never saw in your life such thing. A theater with stage that he invites the, the Russian Broadway to perform for him and his friend. The, uh, theater, you know, uh, play, play. Music room, cinema. Ah, it looks like Disneyland. <laughs> in the whole place. Just for him and his rich friends. And nobody in Russia knew about it until this guy that he put in jail published that video. Because <laughs> it's Mamash, there's no access to them. No access. They, they found it with a drone. Now we have drones. They actually send the drone and the drone filmed everything. And then I don't know how they film everything inside. This, this palace would cost to build more than a billion dollars. You know, you have a house, it took $20 million to build. To build, cost. It's a palace. Imagine a billion. And in Russia, billion in Russia, it's like 10 billion in America. Putin does whatever he wants. No democracy in Russia. Amazing. So, Rabotai, there is no free gifts. Everything comes according to what rule to a person. How do you get after all what you get? Mida keneged mida, it's true, but there is another rule. Lefum Lefum agra. The more efforts you put, the bigger is what you're going to get. In the Gemara, Masechet Sota, page 40, Rav used to, to teach in Yeshiva. Parts after part, one part, second part. And there was one of the Amoraim there repeating every part loudly. loudly that all the students would hear, because Rav didn't have such a loud voice. So he put someone to scream. Huh? Not Meturgam, more like for the people to hear. One time, the wife of Rabbi Abahu came back from the market when she's very excited. She said to him, you have to fire this Amora. 
they have to fire him. That the one who repeats the, 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 the shiur to the students, he say, why? He's doing his job faithfully. What's the problem? She said, I met his wife today in the market. And she said to me, you're right, it was Meturgeman. She said to me, my husband does not say what your husband say. He changed what he says. He actually gave his own speech. I asked her, what are you talking about? Everybody knows he's repeating the words of my husband. He listens to him and repeat, listens and repeat. Do you know what she answered? Why do you think she answered? No? Why do you think she answered? She said, that just proof that your husband is not the only genius. He's also, he's also humble and righteous. He only pretends. My, my husband not only knows a lot of Torah, look how humble it is. That he pretends that what he teaches, he learns from your husband. But he says something completely different. So now, the last thing you want to do is to tell a wife that her husband is no good. Meaning he's not such a great speaker. Ooh, wow. Now the ego is burning. So she comes to her husband fuming. So the Rabbi Abau says, what, what is it your business? Why are you so upset? She said, what do you mean what am I upset? He's not doing his job properly. She said, but what he teach is the truth. He doesn't make up his own Torah. It's what he says is written in a book. So people learn Torah. What difference does it make by whom? What difference does it make by whom? If the name of Hashem will be published by me or by him, does it make a difference? Remember what I said to you in the first sentence tonight? How do you know? I didn't know I'm going to speak about it, I promise you. It's Mamash Mishamayim, a proof to what we said an hour ago. How do you know who's kosher in his page and who gives the stage to others? As long as the job gets done, I'm happy. And who will refuse to give? How much humility you need to cancel your ego and who you are and not to get offended. When Aaron did that, he became the speaker of his young brother, Moshe. It's not one-time thing, it's every minute, every day. Everybody always think. Whenever the older brother come to serve the young one, so they always think, look what's going on here. It's today, it's tomorrow, it's the next day for 40 years. What's speaking for the So that's why the Choshen of a Mishpat goes on his heart. Choshen is higher than prophecy or lower than prophecy? Higher. Higher. 
speaking directly to Hashem on the spot, not when Hashem chooses, you come and refer a question. The Gemara in Masechet Yuma, page Ayn Gimel, page 73, the Gemara says, If a prophet gave a bad prophecy, he can be cancelled. If everybody will do tshuva, or most people will do tshuva, he can cancel the decree. Like Yonah and Nineveh. Yonah went to Nineveh and they all repent, the Goim, and Hashem did not destroy them. The decree of Urim Vetumim will never be cancelled. If you heard it from the Urim and Tumim, there's no way to change. So according to this, we can still cancel the Lunodot. We can never ever lose when it comes to spirituality from a, from a sacrifice, that you sacrifice for Hashem for the truth. The last Mishnah in Shisha Sidre Mishnah is Masechet Ukatsin. It says, Atid HaKadosh Baruch Hu, one day in the future, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will give every righteous and righteous 310 worlds. 310 worlds. Sheneemar in Proverbs 8, verse 21. Lanchil o avai yesh. Yesh means numeric value 310. You distend, shin, it's 300. I will give my followers, the righteous Jews, 310 words amale, and I will pack their treasures to be full. What does it mean? Why the Gemara say to every righteous and righteous? Why a duplication of a language? You should have said Hashem will give to every righteous person 310 words. Why do you have to say, for every righteous and righteous? Why? The answer is, in Taryag Mitzvot, 613 commandments, and how many rabbinical laws you have? Seven. Right? Together, how many? 620. When two righteous people work together to do the mitzvot, right? It's supposed to be each one of them get 310. He get 310 and he get 310. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, don't worry, you will get your full reward and he will still get his full reward. Who does this relevant the most to? To whom? Sachar and Zvulun is a good example, but it's a better one than this. Husband and wife. What gives the wife the full reward of her husband? He sits in yeshiva 12, 13 hours a day, learn Torah 40 years, and she is a regular housewife. What is she doing? Raising children like every secular woman. Secular women also raise children. They also cook. They also clean. They also go shopping. 
So what is the difference between A and M? Some minor differences. In the old days, everyone dressed modest, even the secular goyim and, pay, and Jews, and everybody dressed modest. So kosher, almost everyone ate, because that was the only thing in the market. So, okay, she's, she's not Shomer Shabbat. But in general, based on the lifestyle, they have the same more or less difficulty in life. Her, the wife of an avrech in a kolel, or the wife of someone who is a bus driver, or working in a field. So logically you would say, what, you want to give the woman the same reward like her husband? Why? She didn't learn Gemara 13 hours a day for, for 40 years. She enjoyed, she rest, she played with the children, she took them to the garden, she cleaned here and there. Okay, but like her, there's millions of other women, nothing to do with religion. That's the chidush here, that not only she's gonna get, she's gonna get exactly everything her husband gets. That gives the women motivation to send their husband to learn Torah. Moshe, don't go to yeshiva today, I'm alone. Sit with me. And what will we do? Let's play Rami. <laughs> no, play Rami with her, two hours. Then what? You lost 120,000 mitzvot. She doesn't know this Rami cost her 120,000 mitzvot. Two hours of learning. Average hour is 60,000 mitzvot. She just lost 120 mitzvot. In the end, she won. Wow, I won you in Rami. What's tomorrow? We'll play poker. <laughs> What's the next day? We'll play domino. What's the next day? We watch Tissel. <laughs> there has to be something. <laughs> so, I saw a clip of this guy, this Faradi, Iraqi, Sasson Gabai. He's an Israeli actor for 50 years. <laughs> he speaks English. If I didn't know he's an actor, I would for sure think he's Hungarian Hasid Zatmir. What talent these actors have to memorize, to learn languages, to learn accents. I'm trying to learn American accents already for 30 years. They only get worse. Every year gets worse. And this guy learned to speak in Yiddish with exact... By the way, did you ever hear it? Did have... We have to ask the original. Because even in Yiddish there's different dialect. Like Austrian Yiddish, German, Polish, different, different. You can see it's different. So, time is running out. I went to Lakewood for Shabbos and I was asked by the Rosh Yeshiva, Rav Shneor Kotler, the father of Malkiel Kotler now. Chazal mm -hmm. uh, say that the me'il of the Kohen, the quote of the Kohen, is repenting for Lashon Hara. What's the shaykhus here? What's the connection? Oh. The answer is, the answer is, the Gemara say, Yavo davar shebekol ve'yichaper al ma'aseh shebekol. The coral has bells in the bottom. When, when he walks, it makes noise, the bells, the little bells. Like this. This should come to repent for something that also makes noise. What is it? When you speak Lashon Ara. Two people speak gossip, non-stop. 
לגמרא זה צרת לפרסי קמפור ספיקינג לשון הרע, ספיקינג גסיפ. הנה גמרא, הנה מסכת ערכים פייג' 15, לגמרא זה מה נשתנה מצורה שאמרה תורה יביא שתי ציפורים לטהרתו? Someone has leprosy has to bring two birds, two birds to purify himself. השם say, he did מעשה פתית. What's מעשה פתית? פטפוט. מה זה מפטפט? פטפוטים. What's פטפוטים? People that chat non-stop. All day. Chatting, enough, enough. Okay, good. Give me some... Uh, what? Gossip. Twinning. But the birds don't speak Lashon Ara. Why the birds have to be sacrificed? The birds don't instigate between people to people. So why do you bring them as a sacrifice for someone that spoke Lashon Ara that he should get rid of his leprosy? From here what we learn, let's see who is clever. When does the crime begin? As soon as you open a conversation that is an unnecessary conversation, you already open the gate to the gossip to start. פטפט כציפור, the birds all day tweeting, you know, non-stop. Once you speak too much, the more you speak, the more gossip will enter your language. וחוסך שפתיו משכיל. That's why it's written in Proverbs 10 verse 19. Someone that seal his lips is a wise person. Why? Why? Some people, the more they talk, the more wisdom comes out. Check the statistic. What comes out more? Wisdom or Lashon Wisdom or politics? Wisdom or unnecessary words? Same thing over here. The coat is having all, has all these bells. And... Uh, The claim is once these, these bells make noise for every step that the Kohen does, right? It's written in the Torah, Vaya pi rosho betocho safa yele piv saviv. You should go around the entire coat in the bottom, you make it like a lips, right? Why lips? Why you have to make it like a shape of a lips, right? For everyone to know that lips for lips. And people before, the next time when they hear the bells, they're about to talk Lashon Ara, they'll think a hundred times before they open up their, eyes, their mouth. You know, I gotta tell you something. Many people, they really do not want to talk Lashon Ara. They even remind each other, Lashon Ara, Lashon Ara. The Satan say, yeah, right, Lashon Ara. One attempt, second attempt, third, fourth, up! Usually, even when you come to compliment somebody. Oh, I went to Sarah, she's such a wonderful girl, I'm telling you. 
There was such a great Shabbos there. She's such a great cook, and she's such a tzaddeket. She finished the whole Tehillim. She has such a nice family. Ah, Alel, Alel, Alel. You compliment her. There's only one thing I wish she would do. But there's always a but. That ruins everything. The ten compliments compared to the one criticism, that one criticism is already as a bigger punishment than all ten compliments that you should get your reward. Usually when you compliment, there's always a but. Why is it? Because there's never a person that is fully perfect. So you always, the Yetzirah will always tell you, but don't forget, he has that. Don't forget that. And just when you say that, the Satan is happy. He brought you into the conversation with the intention to compliment. And you give the one Lashon Ara, and you finish. Now when you're going to find the person to apologize, and if it was in public, you have to apologize in public. Scary. Last thing for today, in the Zohar, it speaks about the verse in Shira Shirim. Ani ledodi vedodi li aroe bashoshanim. This is a very interesting verse. Dodi, you know, in Shira Shirim, it's a Kadosh Baruch It's talking about Hashem. Ani ledodi vedodi li, ani alef ledodi lamed vedodi vav li lamed elul. Ani finish with Yud, Ledodi finish with Yud, Vedodi finish with Yud, Li finish with Yud. Yud, 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 40. Okay, that's, everybody knows this Pasuk. It's a famous Elul. Usually everybody uses this Pasuk in Elul. But, who this verse talk about? Mashoshanim, roses. What's unique about a rose? Every rose has thorns. When you buy them in Costco, they already cut the thorns. They don't want lawsuits. <laughs> like good in America. Somebody bought coffee from McDonald's or something, got a $50 million for it. I don't know, big amount. Someone in Europe sent lottery card. One $240 million. When he came to claim the prize, they told him, but you never paid for the car. I don't know how it's possible. It happened yesterday. They did not transfer the money. I guess it's online maybe now. They do it online. Payment didn't go through. I don't know. Something so silly. They're going to kill themselves for the rest of their life. I remember when I was a kid, my father used to, with his friends at work, they used to fill up the Toto, not Lotto. You know what's the difference between Toto and Lotto? It's the soccer games. Who's gonna win? One team against the other. One X zero. Uh, two. One X two. One is the home team one. Two is the guest team win. X means even, even score. X. 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 In Hebrew is a X. So, <laughs> my father filled up the form and forgot to bring it home. On Thursday night, he used to bring it home and I used to go, go down to the Georgian K kiosk 
across the street, the Gruzini. There was David a Gruzini. You know, I told you about the Gruzini, they're very warm people and very generous people. The last thing you want is to get them angry. So they say when the Georgians arrived to Israel, the Moroccans found the place where to hide. Meaning they were dominant before until the Georgian came. So this David Agruzini, if you come to buy ice cream, his desk is here and the ice cream refrigerator is here. So you have to open the refrigerator and get your ice cream and you give it to him and he always had newspapers. He wrapped it with newspapers and you pay. And you know, when you're a child, 12, 13 years old, you, you change your mind a lot. You take strawberry banana. No, no, I want uh, vanilla chocolate. Rabotai, I'm talking to you 40 years later. <laughs> he used to give me such a look until today I have nightmares from his look. <laughs> what the look he had. Like he's about to kill you. Why? He wasted three seconds of his time because he already started to wrap with the newspaper. And he had this box, square, with the uh, rhymes. You know rhymes? He didn't have cash register like today but to do the math. He was doing with the rhymes. I remember this. He, so, we, so you used to give him the form, he puts it in a machine, Chick, the machine puts a stamp in it, you pay him, and he sends the copy of it to the Toto office. Then, then Saturday night, on television, they read the scores of all the games. One time my father forgot the form in the drawer. And the, the factory where they make diamonds doesn't belong to him. It belongs to somebody else. Where will I find him? I don't have his number. He went crazy. The entire Friday, the entire Shabbat. And he was so nervous. I'll, ne I'll never forget that. We're talking 40 years later. What was he worried about? That the form will not win and he will kill himself for the rest of his life. And now every goal somebody scores, I'm telling you, I have 13. It's 13 games. I'm telling you, the first time in my life I finally guess the scores. And I never send the form. Imagine the suffering. Yeah. Why, 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 why? What happened in the end? What happened in the end? He got 12 out of the 13. Instead of few millions, he got only 6,000. Still a lot of money, but he had such a relief. Thank God for that one game he did not guess. Now imagine if he would send the form until today he will eat his heart. Why? For the one game that went lost. The game that went lost actually came to give him relief for another 40 years. Because even with that he was still talking about it for another 20 years after. You're not going to believe I almost had it. So, the, Shira, the Zohar say, what's special about roses? Without the thorns, you will never have the rose. Why? 
Why Hashem put thorns in the roses? The most beautiful flower has thorns. You hold it, you get stabbed. Why? Protection from whom? From the animals. Animals afraid to come near. The Zohar used this Pasuk to tell you without wicked people you don't have righteous people. Before I'll tell you what it means, I want to test you. What does it mean? If you won't have wicked people, you also will not have righteous people. You won't know what to You won't know Wrong. 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 Everything you say is true, but that's not the answer. Wrong. No? Now I'm going to tell you a story from the Tanakh and you get your answer. And we'll finish here. The introduction. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's see. Let's see. There was a widow that her son became sick. And she hosted Eliyahu Navi. Elijah the prophet came to stay in her house. She was a widow, she had a son. As soon as Eliyahu came, the next day, her son became sick in a life risk. She told him, What do I have to do with you? From all the people in the world you came to stay by my house to bring to highlight my sins. That's a critical verse. And you'll learn a lot from it. Mm -hmm. She said, you came to my, from all, what? I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm at your league? Who am I compared to you? You're a man of God, you holy prophet, Eliyahu. Why from all the people in the world you come to me uh, and nobody, a widow with a son, you came to sleep by my house? As soon as you came, you highlight my sins? You came to kill my son? Meaning she blames Eliyahu for her son is about to die. Meaning, until you came, I was counted like a righteous woman compared to the losers in my town. Oh, everybody here is barely religious. I'm reading Tehilim all day with my head covered. Everyone around here wear not modest wigs. I'm the only one who really cover the hair. Everyone here wear mini skirts and high heels. I'm the only one who will never dare to walk like this in the street. So I am the rabbit son of the town. Now you showed up. Compared to you, I'm a monkey. When it comes to mitzvot. What am I? You are here and I'm here. As soon as you came... You brought judgment on me, Kitrug. Not intentionally. But now the Satan comes probably and say, look at him, look at her. Well, what are you making such a big deal out of her? Compared to him, she's something. Where is he and where is her? So she comes to him, she said, because of you, my son is dying. Why? You brought judgment on us. Just by your presence, at our presence. Just by you being here. 
That's what the Zohar says. דודי לדוד, אני לדודי ודודי לי, הרואה בשושנים. השם, הצריתן עם שיר השירים, הצריתן אה, עם תהילים, משמיים השקיף השם לראות היש משכיל דורש אל השם. השם is viewing the world from the top to check if there is any smart person educated in Torah, what makes you a positive educated Jew? Not even, a, not, not necessarily a Jew, it doesn't say Jew, anyone. Who is a smart person requesting and searching for Hashem? Ayesh Maskil went to Harvard. That's not what it says. היש משכיל דורש אל השם. הוא סמארט, you have a very low level Jew, barely speaks the language, barely writes, dress, השם ירחם, but think about השם all the time. And you have a big professor from the Hebrew University in Tel Aviv. Genius, all kinds of master degrees and titles and uh, history of speaking and university and teaching and writing books, but not religious, no connection to religion. Which Jew, which Jew makes more impression when he comes on television studio? The professor? Or the bus driver who screams with his belly outside of his shirt, eating his shawarma with the hummus dripping on his beard. But he puts CD. I love this rabbi. Great. Enjoy the lecture. Professor... It's so arrogant. It bothers me. Can you lower it, please? You look at both of them. Who are you impressed with? The one with the tie. The one with the Mercedes with the big Harvard ring. The one who makes a million dollar a year. A scientist in a Weizmann uh, institution of Rehovot. Not the one in Shuk Machne Yehuda. Scream, Yala Betar! There's a game tomorrow. I hope Manmilian will score a goal. Stupid. Ignorant. No life. But every other word, Baruch Hashem, Hashem Yerachem, we love you Hashem. They come to the market. Yeah, yes, little Yamaka on his head. Tzitzit. Not educated, but connection with Hashem. Who do you think makes more impression on Hashem? The professor from the Weizmann Institution or from NASA? Or this, what they call in Israel, Tchach Tchach. Tchach Tchach from the Shechuna. But comes to Shul, 6.30 in the morning. Tfilin, Shema Israel, Hashem, Sfatai Tiftach. 
if you see a rabbi, today nobody asks you anymore, grab your hand. <laughs> Sometimes people come to me, Rabbi, can you give me bracha in Israel? It's unbelievable. You say, can you give me bracha? So you, so you want to shake their hands and give them bracha, so they grab them. <laughs> and, they, and they make sure they hold their hands on, your, on the head that you don't change your mind. <laughs> So now, you are all laughing now. Who do you think Hashem loves more? It's written clearly, what's the argument? Who is a masculine, not someone who has degrees? Not the President of America or Israel or any other country, no, no. Mishamayim, Hashem is testing every day to see who is requesting him, who is checking for him, who is searching for him. היש משכיל דורש אל השם. Now it says, דודי ירד לגנו, in שיר השירים, דודי is השם, went down to the garden, which is the world, ללקוט שושנים, to pick roses. Who are the roses? The righteous people. When a righteous person die, it's instead of a thousand wicked ones that should have died. Instead of killing a large quantity of Jews, he take one extra special. Sometimes a kid that did not make sins yet is in Talmud Torah. Sometimes Hashem needs to take 10,000 people. 10,000! But it's going to be such a shock to the community in one day 10,000 will die. 6,600 6, Jews died in Israel from Corona. Today they published the results in the year 2020, the total death cases of Israel went up 10% than the average years of the last 15 years prior to that. 10% increase, makes sense, That's the corona increased. 47 women now are in hard to critical condition in Israel in a hospital. All 47 of them are not vaccinated. They refuse to get a vaccine. Now one person is in a hospital in Israel today as we speak in heart condition from Corona that he got the vaccine prior to it, meaning both shots, not nobody. All the people who took two shots of vaccine, they are secure. Their life is secure and they're not gonna die. Guaranteed. In spite of all the fake news and all the crazy people out there. I know they get angry when I say crazy for me, someone that his entire life is panic because he listens to all this fake video on YouTube, there's nothing more crazy than that. Don't have to agree. So, what we see over here is, unfortunately, unfortunately, if everybody would follow the instruction of the Chachamim, we would not be where we are. So 10% increase went up, numbers of death went up, 10% on the year 2020. I'm not talking about the 200 billion shekel deficit and 1 million unemployed people. And I even heard today's story, you know, they closed the Israeli airport for over a month. Some Israelis are stuck out of Israel for 45 days. Some of them sleep on the floor in the airport for weeks. 
on the floor. There's no mattress, no nothing. They have no place to go. They cannot afford the hotels, $150 a night. They were, they were going on a trip for three, four days. They're supposed to come back to Israel. The stupid government locked the, locked the, the airport. Can enter back to your house. Can go back to your family. One person told them, if you're not letting me back into Israel within two days, I'm going to hang, my, hang myself. They told him, there's nothing we can do. And he hanged himself. I never knew, I never heard that story. I don't know how it slipped my attention. Today I found out. Last year, 700 people, two months before the end of 2020, 700 people committed suicide. So the country of Israel, it's a big number, it's not America. America is 100 times more people. I mean, 50 times more people. So if in America, 700 times 50 will be seven, uh, 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 35,000 people. 35,000 people commit suicide in one year in America, it's a lot of, it's a big, huge amount. Fill up a stadium with that. So, sometimes when a righteous person dies, there are four kids in Israel right now in critical condition. Kids! Kids don't get vaccines until age 16. You can't give them because they were never tested on kids. The Prime Minister of Israel, Netanyahu, came out yesterday and he also said, enough with this shtuyot, with this conspiracy lies. Run and get the vaccine and we get out of the situation. I got it, everybody got it, they're safe. Run and finish with that. Enough listening to all this nonsense. I wonder to myself how dumb some of our brothers can be thinking that the Prime Minister of Israel would love to kill millions of his own people. Why? Why would a person do it? Really, the secular Jews are so evil, so wicked, that they want to become Nazis so bad? Is Benjamin Netanyahu, when I'm, I'm far from being his fan, it's Mechalel Shabbat, according to the Torah, is 100% Rasha. There's no question about it. He's not religious, and he's not a tzaddik. Let's not be a hypocrite here. But, despite what I just said, you really think that he's such a filthy, mass murderer Nazi that he will think to give shots to Israelis that will kill thousands of them and he will approve such thing? You really think he's so bad? All his life fought for Israel, went to the army, to the commando, his brother died in Entebbe. What do you think? Do you think Raveli Melech Fire will approve this to the chief rabbi thinking one person will die? But uh, but uh, YouTube crazy lunatics that make all these fake videos, they are the Urim Vetumim of some of these Baalei Tshuva who stayed in, uh, in my opinion, they never grew up, they just stayed age five. <laughs> Their imagination overcome reality. That's what's really happening now. I know a few people like this. Everything comes out, they believe. Except what Rav Chaim Kanievsky said. This they don't believe. Some American 16 years old kid will make a video. Wow, oh, you didn't see it? Someone sent me yesterday. I already sent it to a few people today. They got the shock of their life. People that already convinced that Bill Gates is Hitler multiplied by a million. Because Hitler killed 50 million people, but Bill Gates has a mission to kill 8 billion people. 
And they have a video that he made 10 years ago, Bill Gates, speaking in TED, TED Talk. TED Talk? Yeah. And he said that the world has too many people and there's diseases and all kinds of things. Based on the short video they made about Bill Gates, it looks like, and they're very convincing, these crooks. It looks like Bill Gates saying on, in front of the whole world that there are too many people in the world, we will kill them through vaccine. That's how they designed the video. I did not need any proof to know that this video was manipulated and it's never what he said. For one simple thing, Baruch Hashem, I have common sense. That's all. You don't have to be genius. Common sense. Do you really think that if Bill Gates had a plan to kill 8 billion people, will come in a public event and say, ladies and gentlemen, I have a plan for all of you. I'm going to make vaccines and give it to all of you and kill 8 billion of you. That's common sense. Second common sense means when Bill Gates make more billions, when there is more people in the world that buy Microsoft software, or when 90% of the people in the world will die, he's not going to have any income anymore. So what reason he have after he gave $17 billion donation to help all kinds of miserable people and do research for all kinds of medicine, what reason does he have to all of a sudden kill 8 billion people in the world? So they put it on Israeli television, there's a guy named Guy Zohar, he brings conspiracy theories that everybody already talked about and shows you how it's fake, with real proofs. He shows the entire uh, lecture, what real Bill Gates really talked about, the exact opposite. Look how stupid millions of people are. They are already willing to sell their mother and swear on their life and hold the Torah and make Shvua Doraita that Bill Gates is Hitler Baribua. <laughs> and they base their beliefs on stupid, pure, I don't know what the right word for them, to be honest. It's unbelievable. One person asked me today, when, when, you will see that Gdolei Israel made a mistake. When people will become to the world, will start dying by thousands. What sacrifice Gdolei Israel will have to bring? What did he say, Michael? Korban chatat o egla arufa. Michael almost shocked. Baruch Hashem, we made it to Brooklyn. He was the driver. He was laughing so hard. Somebody asked. Yeah, somebody asked. I was listening to the recording. And I had to reply to him in a, in a little harsh way. Enough with this shtuyot. Enough being stupid. Enough! You know why it happens to all these people? Because they don't learn Torah at all. So how do they happen to They don't learn Torah. They don't. Someone that sits all day in his Shakua Batorah, he won't waste time on this to Somebody who has time all his day to watch all this nonsense that people sell him and send him, obviously you know where his head is. The Rambam say, when the head is clear from Torah, nonsense goes in instead. Shira <coughs> Shirim, דודי ירד לגנו ללקוט שושנים. 
השם פיק זה רוז, פיק זה רוז. One rose is a tzadik can be equal to a thousand people. What's better now? I'll kill a thousand people in one shot, or I'll take that tzadik to heaven, everybody upset. These thousand people got an extension that they will have more time to repent and save the Olam Haba, the next world. What was the biggest tragedy? The biggest tragedy that ever happened to the Jewish community of New York since Jews arrived to New York 300 years ago. The Sassoon family. Seven holy, pure, righteous, religious kids got burned on Shabbat. One got saved. Huh? One girl got saved. It was Rosh Chodesh also. Righteous, innocent kids, holy, from Talmudei Torah. Seven, seven, right? Seven, seven went to heaven express to the highest level on the holiest day of the year, of the week, and on the month Rosh Chodesh. And this, I have no question in my mind, no question whatsoever. I'm fully confident that if this tragedy would not happen, probably tens of thousands of us should have died. Hashem replaced it with this tragedy. That's what it's written here. It's not my idea. It's written clearly. Hashem takes a rose instead of thousands of thorns. And when it's innocent religious kids, Tinokot Shel Bet Rabban, that did not make a scene yet, they're not in Bar Mitzvah yet, that means that the Torah that they learn is pure, like the Gemara say. Fully pure. The Gemara say, a Torah of someone that never made a scene, and a Torah of someone who makes scenes, is not the same level of Torah. A mouth that is pure from Lashon Hara, pure from stealing, pure from cheating, pure from znut, pure from all of that garbage that we have today in the world. And someone like that that goes as a sacrifice in, on the spiritual scale of Hashem, one boy like this could have been a thousand others. And if the seven, it could be tens of thousands of hours, who knows how many of our others. He gave, in their death, they actually ordered life to many of the other people to give them a time. What happened when these people that stayed here for the time being, thanks to them, they did not do tshuva in the end. And some of them became even more wicked than they were 10 years ago, from the tragedy until now. When they come to Hashem, imagine the shock they will have that Hashem will show them, you should have died when you were 35. But instead of taking you, I gave you 30 more years of life to do tshuva, thanks to these innocent babies who went to heaven. They went to heaven because they deserve to go to heaven. But thanks to them, I gave you life. And what did you do with this life? Only bad things. The the shock will be double. First shock is now these people have to be tried for all the crimes they made, regardless of the tragedy. Second shock is, wow, I got life thanks to the sacrifices 
that gave their life for me to, to be able to do tshuva. And what did I do in the end? Not only I did not appreciate it and took advantage on it, I actually became even worse. That's even uh, a more shocking shock. So, I ask you a question and let's answer it and send you home. What does it mean thanks to the wicked you have righteous people? After I told you the story about this widow, her boy got saved, everything was fine. What happened is that when we are surrounded by thorns, the specialty of the rose highlight. If everyone in the world will be righteous, righteous people will not have any special value. When everyone would be Rav Ades, everyone would be Babasali, everyone would be Rav Eliashiv, no, so what? So everyone is like that. It's nothing special. We don't know any other way. But when you have a million people, million, and then you see one tzaddik, another million, another tzaddik, another five million, another tzaddik, in the whole world, seven and a half billion people, hundred thousand tzaddikim, maximum. You do the math. One per how many wicked? When we see the way of others pray, what's the first thing come to our mind? At least my mind, shame on me. I'm such a low life loser. Look how we pray and look how I pray. I can look at myself. That's the first thing come to my mind when I see how we pray with tears and for hours and crying to Hashem about Am Israel. Or Rav Moshe Malka, Alava Shalom, used to come to our yeshiva on Shabbat, three hours crying in Shabbat. Until one rabbi said, I don't like it. He makes everyone depressed on Shabbat, it's not good. Shabbat, you have to be happy. But he couldn't help it. He just could not pray without crying. In Shabbat, like this. Everyone is happy, the children is cooking. Ruins the taste of the chulen, Who cares about the chulen after you hear how we pray? Or of cook from Tveria or some other side. There's one in Monsi like this. What was his name? This Hasid. Rav Mordechai Steiner. Huh? Still alive. I said there is one in Monsi. I didn't say there was one. I told you once a story a few years ago when I came for the first time in my life to Vishnitz to Daven Shachrit. Where can you get a later Minyan? Vishnitz. Every 15 minutes, Minyan. Minyan. 7, 7.15, 7.30, 7.45. Classes. It's like a school full of classes. Minyan, minyan, minyan. Anytime you arrive, you don't have to wait more than five minutes. Fantastic. Factory. I, I look at the calendar, I mean on the time over there. So this room, room three, has a minyan starting in five minutes. I walk inside. I'm so shocked, so many chassidim around. So much noise of the davening, I'm not used to it. Not to our minyan, finish. One minyan. Factory of davening. 
Then I see this man in his 50s, like I'm talking to you 20 something, 20 years ago. Huh? Long white beard, glasses. Running, in a, running, in a, running, left, right, behind the door, jumping, grabbing his head like this, crying, running left, right, left, sitting, getting up, sitting, running, crying. I looked at him. I like to analyze everything from A to Z, not Hafif. Immediately I came to the conclusion in my mind. There are two options right now in front of me. Either I am witnessing, God forbid, the most crazy person on earth or the most righteous person on earth. There's no in between. That's first thing I analyze it. It's either this or that. Now I started to follow him. Needless to say, I could not focus on my prayer. All I was doing is following him like an FBI detective. Every, now I started to go more often over there and see him again and again and again. Until one person told me, what are you talking about? My father was in his class, Man Hasid in Monsitome. He is like that since he's 13. His connection to Hashem is beyond any magnet you can, you can ever understand. Once I heard that, I say to myself, how do I get a bracha from such a person that is connected to Hashem in the best possible way in the world? Nobody is like that. One day I drive, 12.30 in the afternoon, on West Maple Road in Monsi. What do I see? A Mordechai Steiner with his talit in his, with his feeling bag, walking. <laughs> I don't have you U-turn. Kvod you know, they all speak Yiddish. What, how am I going to speak to him? Probably didn't understand even my English. I said to him, Kvodara, where are you going? He didn't know what I want from him. But somehow we made a connection. I said, let me take the Rav home. Got him in a car, Efo. Took him all the way to his home. Got a Baracha for him. I didn't want to sell my car after that. A car like this, that's the, the most righteous person in the world set in my car for 15, 10, 15 minutes. That's an unlimited value. But you have some people like this. Now when Chaz Shalom, somebody like that, one day go to heaven and leave us alone, orphans in this world, who knows how many thousands of people are getting saved by getting life from these people? Who knows? Only Hashem knows. If everybody was like that, there, there was no specialty from being so righteous. But when no one is like that, and you finally see someone like that, then you fall in love with him. Why? Because you're dying to be like him. Did you ever think why everyone loves babies? A week ago I sent on my WhatsApp on my uh, WhatsApp groups, a picture of like 12 kids with a little line be below that. The names of those kids, Stalin, Hitler, when you look at them as kids, they don't look so bad. 
You don't see these monster evil eyes that they're all going to become mass murderers. Little innocent kids. Look what they became, those, the monsters of the history. When we see a baby, why right away we have the urge to go to, to smell him, to touch him, to carry him, to hug him, to look at him even? Why? When you see a, a 16 years old kid walking in the street, you, wanna, you feel like you want to hug him, you want to look at him, what do you care about him? He comes, he goes. You don't look at him, you don't care, you're not attracted to anyone to look at him. Why when you see a baby? Like a magnet. Because when you came to the world, you have a divine soul. The soul is pure. But this, this, the pure soul becomes dirty. It's always remained pure. It's always a diamond, but it has layers of dirt. Spiritual klipot, according to Kabbalah. The more sins you make, the more these shells goes around the, the soul and block the divine light that the soul does not feel the presence of God. That's why you see all these university top scholars. The more they learn and the more they into that, the more wicked they become. You wonder to yourself, how can it be? It's a big doctor. You should, you should feel the presence of God. It's a doctor. You see the miracles of the... His soul is blocked with his sins, with so many layers. He doesn't see the light of Hashem. So when you see a baby that did not make sins yet, or at least the sins do not remain on a soul, immediately your soul feels the urge to unite with him. Because it's two pure souls. Your soul is full of dirt right now from the sins, but the soul is attracted to such a pure soul. Once he grows up, and, the, and his sins start to stay on his... Uh, on his soul, it's not such a pure soul anymore. It's covered with also with layers. There's no more magnet attraction. That's why every time you see a baby, everybody wants to hug him, and, and they're so happy to be around him. Same way when someone told you that the Ara put a bum in a place, and an 18 years old boy got killed. You feel very bad. Oh, poor guy. But if you feel that a one-year-old baby got killed in his stroller, for some reason, you feel double pain. Why? Why? Two Jews die, 18 or, or, or one. What's the difference? Two innocent victims. This is the special attraction of the soul to everything that is holy and pure. So when you don't make sins, or you made sins, but you clean them from doing tshuva, every time you hear Torah, it's like a magnet. You can't live without it. You are dying to, to, get, to be at peace with what you hear right now. But if you're full of, of layers of dirt, spiritual dirt, what happened after that? Something blocks the light of the Torah, the light of the Shekhinah. That's why Rabotai, the Gemara says, Asur First, clean him from the dirt, teach him Musar, shake him up. What's the first thing you do to bad Shuvah? Cut his hair and take him to the mikveh. To cut his hair is an obligation from the Torah? No. Take him to the mikveh is an obligation from the Torah? No. Not even if you're Hasid. 
Hasidim go every day to the Torah, to the mikveh, most of them. But it's not an obligation to the Torah. Hasid, that is Talmid Chacham, he knows. But the Hasid will tell you, even though it's not an obligation to the Torah, all the other obligations of the Torah are, will be much worse because I did not go to the mikveh. So for this, I do one transaction that will, in, will improve every other things that I do. Purify my neshama, my soul. It's a Kabbalistic idea. So it's very interesting. They tell you, you want the person to get rid of his impurity? First, cut his hair. That's when the Satan is stick to the man from his hair. And take him to the mikveh to get rid of this Satan. Soon as a person cuts his hair, his whole life changed. Completely. It's unbelievable. Why? It's a judgment. Mavi dinim, dinim ala adam, judgment on a person. To the point that it's written that someone that has long hair as a man, here or in the back, bring tragedies to the Jewish nation. Why tragedies? I don't understand. He makes a scene. Let's say he makes a scene. He eats something not kosher. He may bring tragedies to the Jewish nation. He stole money from someone. He bring tragedies for the Jewish nation. Even he was Mechalel Shabbat, which is a horrible crime. He's, not, he's bringing tragedy to the whole Jewish nation. But if he has long hair, bring tragedies to the Jewish nation. Why? Who knows why? I promise we finish. It's late. I'll give you some homework for next Tuesday. Until next Tuesday, remember, you, you have to come with the answer. No, I gotta leave you something to, to look forward for. Huh? Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen, Amen.